I don't know what he's talking about. All right, hey, we're going to get started. So tonight we're having a Q&A panel, but before we get started, I'm going to give each of our panelists a chance to introduce themselves and tell you a funny fact about themselves. And so we'll start with the ginger. Keith, I'm a ginger. My name is Brad Aldridge, and I'm bald. I'm Johnny Sanders, and I'm not. I'm Joe, and I'm getting there. All right, so like I said, and well, and y'all know me, I'm Drew, so, um, Drew. So we're having a Q&A panel, a chance. Typically, we do these so that uh, y'all have a chance to ask some questions. You know, I know that all of you are pretty regular here on Wednesday evenings, even on Sunday mornings as well. And so based on the things you've heard, the things we've talked about, we want to give you a chance to get some clarity, maybe ask some questions and different things like that. But tonight's going to be a little bit different because you are not going to be asking the questions. We are going to be asking questions of you so that we can gain some clarity on where you guys are at in terms of your knowledge and understanding and your faith and your spiritual growth. So tonight, we're not the panel. You're actually the panel, and we're asking you questions. Yeah, yeah, hey, hey, it's, the seat's still open for you. Come on. Okay, so to start, I'm going to ask you the first question. The first question is, since Josh is not here, what do you really think about him? I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, the first question that I'm going to ask, right, because we just had a great two-week series on the atonement, I want someone to define what the atonement is for me. It should be fresh on your brains. Crickets. All right, who's going to be brave enough to take a stab at it? You're all making Joe feel real bad. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody can answer. All right, define the atonement for me. Hello. Is it on? I don't hear it. The atonement is Jesus subbing in and taking our punishment. Taking our punishment upon himself. All right, so did everybody hear what he said? The atonement is Jesus taking on our punishment upon himself. Does everyone agree? Yes. Does anybody disagree? Does anybody have anything to add? Is that all it is? What else is it? Crickets. Oh, come on, somebody. Anybody care to elaborate? He did. That's right. Why would we have to go to hell? So? Why? Why is sin bad? So? Yeah, well, so what? Why does that matter? So? (laughs) 
Yeah, no, yeah, these are legitimate questions. Yeah, why does it matter? So? Why does he get mad? That's kind of that's kind of lame. Because he told us not to. So that's it. So if I tell you not to, can I cast you in the hell for not? Says who? All right. No, those are good answers. Those are, those are good answers. I'm going to give our panelists a chance to respond to some of those answers, maybe flesh some things out for you. Joe? Okay. I'm going to do a little experiment here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say two words, and I want you to say the first thing out loud. You don't have to yell. Just say it out loud. The first thing that you th think of when I say these two words, okay? You ready? God is. Okay, they're actually kind of like, there's a lot of good answers, but the one that I'm really looking for is what several of you hit on. He's holy. Above all, God is holy, holy, holy. And that's why it matters what his law says. Can anybody tell me what holy means? Set apart from, okay, separate. He's set apart from who? From us. From what else? But he's set apart from what else? Everything. He is creator. Drew, a while back, covered this um, very well, and I think Josh did as well, that there's basically two categories. There is God and then everything that is not God, and he is the only thing in the category that is God. So that's why it matters the law he gives us, but not only the law that, that he gives us, but who he is. His character is the most important thing in this world, his Love, his mercy, his justice, his wrath, his righteousness. Um, we read a few weeks ago that he is a righteous judge. And so that's why it matters is because God is of infinite value, infinite worth, infinite glory. He's holy, holy, holy. He is set apart. So that's why it matters. When, when somebody asks you, like, why, why does it matter? Like, who, who is God? Why, why does it matter if I sin? Who cares what his law is? It's because he's holy, holy, holy. So I'll say that, and I'll let. Along those lines, can you, as a believer, if asked, articulate what the gospel is? If someone, in your own words, as brief or as elaborate as you would like, could you, if asked, what is the gospel according to Scripture? The gospel means good news, yes. What is the gospel?
Okay. If you were asked to articulate the gospel, it's, it goes along the lines of the atonement and what, what is it necessary for? What's well, necessary for salvation, correct? But a lot of your answers rightly were that Christ died and he was the sacrifice. He took the punishment for our sin. But when were we sinners? I mean, it, were, was that punishment necessary because we sinned, or was it necessary because we were born that way? Born that way, yeah. So if someone asks, why, do I, why does it matter about this Jesus and this gospel? You believe that, but it's old, it's antiquated. We're advanced uh, in the 20th century now. We don't need the 21st century. We don't need these things. Why, do, why is it still relevant? Why is this still, as Aiden said, the good news? What makes it good? So my question is going to be, I guess it kind of piggybacks off of this. Um, you guys, some of you are in public school, some of you are not, um, but it applies to all of you at your age and in this culture. What do you see as the biggest challenge to you as a Christian in a world full of people who are not Christian? What do you all see as the biggest challenge? Like, like, and be, be very specific. <laughs> what were you going to say, Cortland? Sharing God's word. Why is that a challenge? Do what? You don't have confidence in the word or confidence in you? Okay. Okay. Andre? Okay. 
Those are all good answers, and I want to I be just as transparent as I can with you guys. A lot of the times when we adults don't share the gospel, um, a lot of times it is because of the same, well, for me, I can't speak for everybody, but um, I know early on especially it was it was hard for me because, you know, I'm sharing this good news, but I can't answer the next question. You know, that next question is coming, especially if you're dealing with somebody who's, you know, fairly smart. I've told y'all in Sunday school a few a, f- a few examples of people that I've that I've encountered who were atheists, and these guys are just super intelligent. And I wouldn't say I ever backed down um, from talking to them about it because you know I'm pretty I'm, pr- I'm pretty strong in my faith. But you know there there did be, there did come a point in in one discussion where I was like, I don't know. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to come back to you on that. And they were like, "Well, if you don't know, then why should I believe it?" You know, well, if you don't know it well enough, if you don't love it well enough to know it, that's why we encourage you guys to stay in your Bibles, be in church, listen to sermons. I know, I know. Oh, that's for old people to listen to sermons all day. Um, it's really not. You had two students in Sunday school Sunday who listen to sermons all day while they do other things. You can do it. Um, and that's how you equip yourself. That's how you gain that confidence that you guys are talking about um, is by knowing it. I, I, I've told you all several times in Sunday school, know what you believe because the person who's talking to you about it is going to know what you believe if they're smart. Um, and both of my encounters that I've shared with you all multiple times are with people who knew what the Bible said. You know, they didn't know it in their heart, but they knew it in their head. And... Um, that's a challenge, and that's a real challenge. So, you know, don't feel like you're alone in that because there, there, there's going to be someone, the next person I witness to or talk to about Christ may ask me a question I can't answer tomorrow. Um, it happens, but don't let that, you know, your, the encouragement there is don't let that discourage you. You've got a church full of people, and you have every one of our phone numbers. You can call and you can text, and if I don't know it, I'll get with Mr. Brett. We'll find somebody who can answer the question. Um, you know, that's not to say, well, if you didn't witness to somebody every single day, you're failing. But don't let that be, don't let that be your, your, your drawback. Um, all good answers, though. I mean, uh, I, you guys, especially, especially in public school, I would imagine you face a lot more pressure um, and temptation as well. But I think across the board at your age, the temptation thing is, is huge. Um, and, and I believe it was John Piper who said that when we sin, we, we basically say that we trust whatever we're doing more than we trust God. I think I used that Sunday morning. Um, just remember that. Just remember that. All right. My question was going to be um, when you decide – or the Lord draws you near to him and you say, hey, you know, I want to know more about Christ and I want to be saved and I want to be baptized. So when you are saved or you, you serve the Lord, some people are going to tell you you have to be baptized to be saved. Where do y'all stand on that? I mean, do y'all know what the scripture says about being baptized and if baptism saves you or not?
well, what are we saved? What are we saved by? Okay, so would would baptism be considered a work? Okay, so does that save you? But Well, I've, I've had friends that have actually been baptized and then come, you know, later on in life, you know, they come up to me and say, hey, I was baptized when I was eight years old, but I had no idea what it meant. I just did it because everybody else was doing it. Now here I am, 38 years old, 40 years old, and I w if I would have died, I would have gone to hell because I was not a Christian I bet I did. I got baptized because everybody else did. So I'm trying to think where I'm going with that. I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Anyway, that was a good answer. Does anybody else have anything to add to it? I know all y'all added a lot to it, but I do have a quick question. So if baptism doesn't save you, is it necessary? I asked if it was necessary. <laughs> Not necessary, but important. Anybody agree? Anybody disagree? But is it necessary? Not necessary for salvation. But is it necessary? Just necessary. My well, the, so here's my question, right? We all agree baptism doesn't save you, right? So we'd all agree it's not necessary for salvation, right? It's not as though you're s saved but not yet because you haven't been baptized. Right? That's not how it works. But my question is, is that I had a way of wording this that made more sense, and I lost it. We there you go. Are we commanded to be baptized? Ah, I, I appreciate your answer. Right, well, that's a good question. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting theological discussion right there. <laughs> but, so, so, so my question is, is, like Bethany said, are we commanded to be baptized? So then it is necessary. Do you all understand that distinction? Right? So, here, so here's the way I was going to word it, right? I was going to say... Baptism is, bat, baptism is not necessary for salvation, but can you be a Christian and not get baptized? Oh, look at this guy with the smarts. Huh? Yeah, it sprinkled a little. 
Now, that's a good point. So, so was the thief on the cross saved? Was, but was he baptized? He wasn't. But are we commanded to be baptized? Yes, because it's not necessary for salvation. Yeah, so it's not just that we're commanded to, but we're also commanded to be like Jesus, and Jesus was baptized. I, I agree. That's a good reason to be baptized. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, I'm asking the question in a difficult way because I want you all to think about it, right? And I, I appreciate you all giving answers and kind of processing out loud, right, because it's good to do those things. So we agree it's not necessary for salvation, but we're commanded to do it, so it's necessary. But we don't look to our baptism for salvation, right? There are denominations that do. There are denominations that say if you have not been baptized, you are not saved. There are some denominations that say if you are not baptized in our denomination, you're not saved. So even if you're baptized somewhere else, you've got to be baptized by us or you're not saved. Right? But we recognize that it's not necessary for salvation, right? Because who accomplishes salvation? Right. Did you do anything to, did you contribute that, to that at all? I think it was Edwards, right, who said our only contribution to salvation was the sin that made it necessary. Are you all tracking with that? So, we, so it's not necessary for salvation, but it's necessary because God commands we do it. We don't put our hope for salvation in baptism. Does that make sense? Did y'all hear that? Do y'all agree? You should. He's correct. All right, so my, um, my question for you guys is actually a, a real-life situation for me at, at work right now. And I'm going to give you the situation and then give you a, a couple of things to, to answer. And then what would your approach be? So the situation is um, I work with this guy. I hope he's not listening. Um, <laughs> um, he goes to church um, every week. Um, he professes to be a believer in Jesus Christ. He believes himself to be saved he believes himself to be a Christian. He believes that Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. Um, he believes he's a sinner. Um, he also, for as long as I've known him, several years now, um, has been 
living with a woman that is not his wife, and he has two children by her. So my question is, should I assume that this man is a born-again believer, and what should my, what should my approach to him be? How do you accept Jesus in your heart? Does the Bible ask us to accept Jesus in our heart? Where? Well, and also, also if... I, I forgot to say this. If you can give me from Scripture, like I, I don't want opinions. If you can show me from Scripture, what would a measurement be for me to look at this man and not me decide his eternal destiny, but for me to warn him, for me to, from Scripture, say, I think you, you need to heed this warning. I know you, you say you believe this, but your life is saying this. He does. He knows it's a sin. Has been baptized. <laughs> he gets baptized every week, so he's cleansed every week from it. Um, yeah. No. He has two children by this woman. I don't have to explain explain to you how they got here, but Yeah, yeah, like he was going to church full bore. I'm, you know, I'm I'm a believer. I'm I'm all this. Um and and he's living um I'll give you a keyword. He is uh, practicing a lifestyle of sin in this way. Those are key words, <laughs> if you know the passages I'm thinking about. knows now one thing he knows it's a sin like he's talked about how his pastor has talked about um uh, intimacy intimacy outside of marriage so he he knows that what he's doing is sinful so what like there's a lot of passages that talk about immorality and fornication and and things like that but what passages would speak to this situation? Like, he's like, yeah, I've, I'm fine with this over here. You know, I'm a believer. I'm going, he fully believes he's going to heaven. So is, 
how, do I just say, well, I, you know, I, I wish he wouldn't live like that. But he, he says he believes, so, you know. Okay, if he was born again, he probably wouldn't be practicing those things. Can anybody give me any scripture like, Um, well, re- what is repentance, Keith? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read this, and and y'all tell me. Um, this is First John, and I'm gonna tell you what. There are a lot of pastors that will stand before the Lord and give an account for thou how how they have not shared this with their flock and they have allowed men to be comfortable as they're running towards the pit of hell um let's see whoever says i know him speaking saying i know jesus yeah i know the lord i'm whoever says i know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Um, he He goes on and says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother and abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. He goes on and on, and what I want you to see is this. Let me see. I'm going to skip down to 3. There we go. Yeah. Okay, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared, he being Jesus, in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now, and he goes on and on just in this circle. You know, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Um, No one, this is what John pretty much referenced, I think, without knowing, or Jonathan referenced, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. And that's what Jonathan said. If he's truly born again, he's not going to make a practice of sinning. Now, what does that, you're probably thinking, what practice of sinning? I make a practice of sinning every day. All of us, you know, we sin every day. That word practice means a, an unbroken habitual lifestyle like, you know it's sin, and repentance is turning from that sin, con- forsaking it, turning to Christ. So, no, there's not repentance. You can say, well, I feel bad about that sin. Well, okay, you feel bad about it, so you're off the hook because you you're repentant. You feel bad about it. That's not, that's not what it's talking about. What John is saying, this is not work salvation, and do not get me confused on that. 
God, from start to finish, salvation is his work. And if he has so worked in someone's life to cause them to be born again, to bring them from slaves of sin to slaves of Christ, from darkness to light, from death to life, he will continue to work in their lives to bring about, like Pastor Tim says all the time, initial repentance and faith begats continued repentance and faith. And so that's what this is talking about. And so I would agree, I don't know, and it's not my place to judge if this person is going to heaven. I'm not going to go up to him and say, you're a sinner, you're going to heaven, or you're going to hell, you know, because you've been in this sin for too long, and I've, I've been watching you, I got my clock, and I marked it on the calendar, and you just, you're going to hell now. No, but his lifestyle, it is a practice of sin. And so, knowing that, what should my action be towards him? Are y'all tracking with, with, with what they're what they're saying? Like this is like this is a heavy like theological like issue, right? This issue of of, of faith and works, right? You know, like Joe said, you you have someone who confesses Christ, but his life denies his confession, right? His lifestyle is contrary to his confession. So what do we believe? Do we believe his lifestyle or do we believe his confession? Right? If 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 works are not uh, like if we're not saved by works, then how are we to determine whether or not somebody's saved, right? Because, I mean, you sin, right? And you sin, and you sin, and you sin, and I sin, 
and you sin, right? We could go around the room, right? Everybody still sins. And so everybody, to some degree, right, by their lifestyle is denying what they confess with their mouth. So are we not saved? How does that work? Right? And Tim brings up a good point, right? Scripture talks about that we're not saved by works, we're saved by faith. And then later it says your faith without works is dead. So which one is it? What, how do we make the distinction between the two? Yeah, that's a good point. I can't think of the reference. But Scripture talks about you'll know a tree by its fruits. Right? Bad trees bear bad fruits. Good trees bear good fruits. Think about an orange tree, right? What is an orange tree? What kind of fruit does an orange tree have? Oranges. Boom. Now, if I go and I start duct taping apples to the orange tree, does that make it an apple tree? Right? No, because no matter what I do to the outside of it, its DNA, right, its, it, like, its essential nature is going to produce oranges. It's not going to produce apples. Matthew 7, that's that, that's that reference that Aiden was talking about. So, so modifying the outside of the tree doesn't change its DNA, doesn't change what it is. So simply modifying outward behavior, right, simply living right, simply going and getting baptized, simply not lying, simply doing the right thing, doesn't change our essential nature if we're dead in trespasses and sins. But if we have been changed from the inside out, right, if we've been given new hearts, right, we produce good fruit. Right? If you could some way change an orange tree's DNA and make it an apple tree, right? It would quit producing oranges, right? There'd still be oranges there. They'd probably fall off. It might, you might get a, a rogue orange every now and then. But eventually, it would produce apples, right? It would start to produce fruit in accordance with its nature, right? That's the distinction between faith and works. Our works are evidence of our faith, right? We're talking about rather than the, uh, the cause of our faith. Does that make sense? That same analogy, you walk up to an apple tree. How do you know it's an apple tree? Who, yes, because of the fruit, who made the apple tree an apple tree? God did. Did the tree become an apple tree by bearing apples? No. It became an apple tree because God made it an apple tree. And this is, um, we talk about, it said, no one who is born of God, born again. Um, This is the passage that Jesus was referencing when he was talking to Nicodemus about being born again. You must be born again. Listen to this. This is the change of nature, like I talked about last week and like Drew just talked about. Difference between an apple tree and an orange tree. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's a, a change of your nature. And I will put my spirit within you. And listen to this. I will cause you to bear apples. That's basically what it says. I, I, he doesn't say that. He says, I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. I will cause you to do that. Yes, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. He changes you from an orange tree to an apple tree so that you start producing apples. And people look at that and say, huh, 
God must have made that into an apple tree. And most people would look at that and say, that person made themselves into an apple tree. But that's not the case. An apple tree cannot change itself to an orange tree, and an orange tree cannot change itself to an apple tree. They bear fruit according to their nature, and it is God who has to change that nature. So when I see someone and they say, I'm an, I think I'm an apple tree, but bro, you got a bunch of oranges. <laughs> And they're like, no, that's, those are apples. No, they're oranges. No, those are apples. You see what I'm saying? And that's what John's saying. He's like, if somebody says that, you know, it's what James is saying. If somebody says they know him, but their, their lifestyle denies that, and, and there is a, there's a distinction there. Like we've all been talking about, we are all still sinners, and we still sin every day. So the, the, it's, it is a heavy topic, but I wanted to bring it up because it's so important, so important. Andre, what you got? Tell that I'm going to have to one-on-one warn him at some point 
then and, and don't fear of the Lord. You know, he said, do not fear them who can destroy your body. Fear them who can destroy both your body and your soul in hell, which is God. So the scenario that Joe used, there's an obvious answer that his sin reveals something that we asked, we started, is, is baptism necessary for salvation? The answer is no, but it is necessary as an obedience thing. You're showing obedience that you have been born again. This man is practicing marriage and family in a biblical sense, but not following through with entering into a covenant with this woman as the Bible lays out for us. It seems like a simple fix that you repent and you get married. The question, it begs the question, why are you not? You're, you're, it sounds like they're playing house. They're doing everything except being obedient by entering into marriage as the Bible prescribes. That's, that's a hard-headedness, a hardness of heart that is, it, it reveals, I believe, a hardness of heart that, that reveals what I think we all understand is that confession is probably not true.
Go ahead. Yeah. 
and pr pr pretty much if you want anybody's phone number, you can just ask. And you can call us, you can text us, we can talk here, we can talk somewhere else. Yeah, I also did. I also didn't have adults in my life as a kid who cared. I mean, my parents cared to a certain degree, but like I didn't. I didn't have people. I didn't have people like this who would take up their own time and make efforts to pour into y'all, to pour into me. Like I didn't have people like that in my life. Yeah, so not to cut not to cut it short because I'm sure we could we could continue to talk about a lot of stuff. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I've really enjoyed our time. Um, I'm very encouraged. A lot of you had a lot of very good things to say, um, but real quick, I want to go around. I want some takeaways from each of our panelists that they can give you right. So Brad already mentioned one, and I think this is a big one, right? Know your Bible. Re read your Bible. I don't think y'all recognize like history, but people fought and died so that we could read the Bible in our own language. And it sits on ourselves and it collects dust. And so take advantage of the fact that we have the Bible, that we can read it. And then kind of like what Joe said, like, y'all have people you can ask questions of. Like, ask questions. Ask good questions. Ask dumb questions. We'll tell you they're dumb questions, but we'll give you good answers, you know? So those are mine. Read your Bible and then ask questions. Ask lots of questions. Joe? When you read your Bible... Look for Jesus. Like, he's everywhere. Um, you know, like, the, like I share, even in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. Who is Jesus? What is one of his? He's the white of the world the light of the world. That is a picture of the gospel in the first verse of the Bible. We were that formless black in darkness. The Spirit of God moved upon us, caused us to be born again, and the light, Jesus, shined into our souls, into our dark souls. That's Jesus right there. In like the first few verses of the Bible, um, we talked last week about the animal skins, you know, and the, and the covering. It's Christ's righteousness, his sacrifice. I mean, it's all through there. So look for Jesus. He's there. I'd say mine is kind of, I don't want to sound like a cliche, but don't uh, piggybacking off of my question and the answers I got or we got. Um, don't be afraid to be different or don't be afraid to be weird because of Christ. Um, I know that sounds like something that should be on a T-shirt in Lifeway, but it's true. Don't be afraid of it because, like Joe, Joe uh, I think, um, shared the scripture about um, not fearing man. Don't fear not being popular. Don't fear not being what these 
people in the world who are not believers think you should be. Be what God, seek to be what God tells you to be, okay? Don't be afraid to, you know, not go to that party or not, um, do the, do, not do something that maybe a boyfriend or girlfriend's asking you to do. Um, don't be afraid to not do those things. Along those lines, um, just be encouraged that people are watching you. They do notice that you are different. Even though they may give you a hard time right now, they, they are watching you. So you are an example right now, even though you may not feel like one. or you you've, like I heard some of y'all say that there's pressure to do things that you shouldn't do. Um, just an example, I had people come up to me after we graduated in high school and say, you don't know this, you know, we kind of gave you a hard time, but we were watching. And this as an encouragement, they are watching you, and, you know, they're, they're going to, some of them even come to you, and, you know, that you're the only light that they see, you know, that you're the only example of Jesus that they see, and they do notice. So just be encouraged that what y'all do matters. You okay.